0: So if you have your Bibles, won't you please turn to Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, and we'll be reading this morning from verse, then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. How many of you here this morning have ever asked yourself the question, what is the meaning of life? Anyone ever asked that question? How many you ever just thought about, you know, what is the point of all of this? You get up in the morning, you brush your teeth, you go through your day, you brush your teeth at night, you go, go to bed and uh, you do that over thousands of times and then you die and sometimes you just wonder and ask yourself the question you know really what is life all about well asking that question is really intrinsic to who we are as human beings and uh, the day that you and I were born is the day that we started to search for meaning and the way that you and I do it is like this is when we're born, we, we put certain goalposts in front of our lives, okay? So let's say you're in school. The goalpost is matric. You want to get to grade 12 and pass well. And uh, if you can get there, when you arrive at that goalpost, in a sense, reaching that matric education becomes something you frame your life around. And so you, you hang your value, your identity, your belonging. You Yes, I have a grade 12 matric. And in that sense, it defines you. But the problem is this: The problem is this: is as soon as you arrive at one goalpost, another one's ahead of you. So some of you might have had the privilege of studying at university, or maybe you finished school, but then suddenly you have to either go study further or find a job, because everybody else is. When you reach that job, well, then suddenly you need to find a partner, because everybody else is. If you don't have that partner then you can start to feel, well, maybe I'm, I'm lagging behind. My life doesn't have as much meaning or value as the people around me. And so the problem is when we start to search for meaning by trying to achieve these certain goals that frame us, is they're never constant because there's always the next thing. Any of you can relate with that? Yeah? I can. And the problem is these goalposts that we look for aren't stable is they tend to collapse. And so if how many of us here have lost jobs or gone through a horrendous divorce and you maybe felt, man, I had built my frame of reference, my identity around my marriage. Or you've lost a, uh, the death of, of a spouse. And suddenly that goalpost that seemed so fixed and sure, it's gone. How many of you have gone into retirement here this morning and your life worked around your work schedule and suddenly, that goalpost which was so fixed, it's gone. How many of you mothers here who have had children leave home or change um, life circumstances and you built your life as being a father or a mother and suddenly your children leave and there's this loss. There's a sense of, well, I've lost a sense of my meaning and purpose here. The other problem is this, is that sometimes you can feel like me. That if you don't discover that one goalpost that you need to find that's going to define your life existence, then you're going to miss it. Ever felt that pressure of going, am I really found yet what what I'm meant to be here for? Some of us here are looking, and you're not certain you found it yet. And you're worried you're going to die one day, and you're never ever going to have found what you're supposed to be on life here for. That's tremendous pressure. Or perhaps this morning, and this is becoming increasingly real for me personally too, is you in a place in your life where there are just so many goals to aim for. Great spouse, great parents, great provider, great home, great holidays, great health. All of these things are put before us and we just feel... Who can meet all of this? And I'm, I'm pretty sure that there are some people here who put their heads down at night, on their pillow, and they go, surely life's got to be simpler than this. Surely life's got to be less complicated. And there's this inner weariness in the search for meaning that begins to creep in. But I must say, before I move on, there is one goalpost that so few people I find think about. And that is death. In my few deathbed experiences as a pastor, I've realized that we actually spend our lives so busy chasing other goals so that we avoid thinking about the one goalpost that actually redefines everything. Because I tell you, when I speak to people who are dying, suddenly that frame of death reframes everything else that they've done in the past. And the things that were so important to them doesn't matter. And so this morning, this short or these short few verses that Jesus uh, speaks about is really answering this question of really what life is all about. And in these parables, Jesus says, we can know. There is one goalpost that if we aim for, we'll hit jackpots. Do you want to know what it is? It's having a relationship with God. There was a man in the history of the church called St. Augustine, or St. Augustine, a very famous guy, and he was the man. When he was born, as a young man, he had a hectic mom and dad, or actually a hectic mom, who was a super, super strict Christian. Anybody have strict Christian parents growing up? I did. Maybe don't put your hand up, it's fine. <laughs> and this mom put tremendous pressure on him, and he had to attend church. I don't know how many of you can relate to this. He had to go to Sunday school, had to go to confirmation, had to go to catechism man he couldn't miss a day of church and when it was time for him to leave home he couldn't wait to leave the clutches of his mom and what he did was he joined a group of friends who were all about how to score with girls this group of friends they had one thing on their mind is how to get as many girls as possible terrible and he found a lover he had a girl who they became lovers, and they had a son together. And there was a moment in Augustine's life where he came to the point of saying, you know what, I don't know what the point of all of this is. And he did what nobody should do. I want to encourage you not to do this. He, he, he abandoned his lover and his son and joined a sect called the Manichaeans. And uh, it a, was a very harsh philosophy of how to suppress the flesh he was not allowed to have sex, he was not allowed to have pleasure. He had to suppress the body so that the spirit could take all the focus. But in the end that left him empty too until the day he found Jesus. And I'll read to you this morning what he said when he found Jesus. He said to him, he said, "You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless." Until they find their rest in you. That's it. And Jesus, what I love about him is, we're going to see, he's incredibly challenging, but he says we can simplify our lives down to one priority, one thing. Forget about all the other expectations that you have. If we simplify it down to one thing, we can find something of tremendous value and he says it is this relationship with God it is knowing him and there are many ways in scripture that this relationship or described as the pearl of great price or the hidden treasure in the text that we read this morning is described in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 it says but seek first the kingdom of God And his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Interestingly, Jesus is describing the kingdom here. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure. Or the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. He's saying that this priority in life of having a relationship with the God of heaven, having access to the kingdom of heaven, it comes first. The other way he describes it is when Martha and Mary have Jesus in their home. I don't know if you know the story. There is Martha and Mary. And imagine this. Imagine this morning Jesus was going to come to your house after church for lunch. Okay. How many of you would love that? I would love that. How many of you would feel self-conscious about your house or cooking? I would. Yes. But imagine this. Jesus is there in the midst. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he is teaching. Remember what Jesus said. It was pure truth. It was pure spirit, pure life. And Mary, Mary sits at Jesus' feet and is listening and just soaking in this time where Jesus is so close in her very home. There Mary is. And what's Martha doing? Busy. Busy, busy, busy. She's cooking, she's getting the meal ready, she's getting the the kitchen clean, making sure everything is ready. And what happens? She gets so angry at Mary. Why? Because Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And not helping her get the tasks done. And Jesus says to Martha, 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 you are worried and upset about many things. (laughs) You're a stressed lady. But Mary, no, no, he says, but one thing, one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion. And what she has chosen will not Be taken away from her. Martha, you're going to lose me in this moment. I'm going to leave your home and you're going to be so busy with the dishes and cooking that you're going to miss the portion that I'm offering you, which is an intimate moment, relationship with me, special connection, my words coming to you, my presence in your life, the moment when I'm in your home, I've descended into your midst. You're going to miss that. But what Mary has chosen in this moment, what's really necessary. The other way, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, is when Jesus says to John, Write to that church that we're just learning in, in 1 Timothy, write to that church of Ephesus and tell them, I have this against you. You have abandoned your first love. Not finished yet. The Apostle Paul, who met Jesus Christ resurrected on the road to Damascus, have you ever thought about this? Yes, the Apostle Paul hating Jesus Christ, going on his donkey into Damascus to throw into prison the Christians in Damascus. And he meets the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ on the road, and it strikes him blind for three days. How many of you would be satisfied for the rest of your life having that encounter with Jesus? Put up your hand. If you just got to see Jesus once in resurrection glory... How many of you would be satisfied with that? You go, I've seen enough. Can I read to you what Paul says at the end of his life, years after that encounter, when he's in jail for Jesus? In Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 to 8, he says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. His encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus was not enough for Paul. It was just the foretaste of what he longed for after having it. David, who killed Goliath, was the greatest king Israel ever had could have boasted of many things he did for God. said in Psalm 24, verse 7, he said, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Friends, this pearl of great price This hidden treasure that Jesus uses as an analogy for our relationship with God is much more than merely coming to faith in Jesus. I don't want us to be confused this morning of thinking that what I'm talking about, this pearl of great price or this hidden treasure, is the moment you cross the line of faith, is the moment when you see your sin, you see the trouble that that puts you in, and your need for Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and that moment when you put your faith in Jesus as your only hope, I'm not talking about that today. Because this is spoken to Jesus' disciples. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 36, His disciples have come around Jesus, and its disciples are those who have said, I have already discovered that your words, Jesus, are life. I have discovered that... These disciples, these disciples have discovered in Jesus that He has the authority, they have already left everything to come and follow Jesus. But secondly, we know that this is not initial salvation because initial salvation, crossing the line of faith, is something you can't buy. It's a gift. It's given as freely as you would uh, someone giving you a Christmas present. You just have to receive it. Salvation is. That picture of when you wake up on Christmas morning and everybody around is celebrating opening their gifts and there is salvation waiting for you you just have to go take it by faith and unwrap it and it's yours it's yours but this is saying in order to lay hold of this pearl of great price or this hidden treasure you have to sell everything it's different Thirdly, we also know that this good news, this gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ, it's not something that's hidden. It's this morning, I am telling you, if you don't yet have a relationship with God, and you know it, that Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, and that if you die today, you're not certain you're going to go to heaven, right now, I'm telling you, you can put your faith in Jesus Christ, and ask Him to forgive your sin, and you've got what God is offering in terms of salvation, becoming a child of God. Initial salvation, becoming a child of God, having forgiveness of sin, being born again, as scripture says, is the picture of you getting into the starting blocks of a racetrack. It qualifies you to run. It gives you the position. It opens you up to have access to now start discovering what Jesus is talking about here, searching for, seeking this pearl of great price, this hidden treasure. And the reason why Jesus tells two stories this morning about one who stumbles across a hidden treasure and one who has to seek after it is because Having a deeper, more intimate, powerful, special relationship with Jesus is discovered in two ways. And I want this to be an encouragement to you this morning. Is sometimes we stumble across how real Jesus can be in our lives by accident. Like that laborer in a field, he was just digging and working one day and suddenly he goes... He hits the ground, and he discovers this hidden treasure, and it blows his mind. I want to tell you a story about my friend called Calvin. In high school, he was a buddy of mine I'd known since primary school. And Calvin, I invited him to come along to a youth camp that I was on. I went on to, it was a school camp, Christian camp. And that Friday night, we were... um, having the preacher give his sermon. And at the end of his sermon, the preacher said, I want to invite anybody who wants to come to faith in Jesus to stand. And Calvin stood. And of course, all of us were, yes, Calvin he's giving his life to Jesus. We were thrilled. But then the preacher said, I want um, those of you around those who stood to come up and to pray, to pray for those who came to faith in Jesus. And so I did. I went up to my friend. I placed my hand upon him. And I just said this. I had... I didn't even finish it. I was was starting to say, Jesus, would you show Calvin how real you are? And before I had finished the sentence, Calvin went tumbling, smashing into the overhead projector and hit the floor. Now, the first thing that went through my mind was, is the overhead projector right? Because I knew how expensive those things were. And we were a little school Christian society, and that would have blown our budget for the year. Secondly, I thought, oh, is Calvin all right? He was fine. But after I got over the shock of what uh, had happened was, I suddenly dawned on me, Calvin had just had an encounter with Jesus a minute after he'd come to faith. He didn't know his Bible. He wasn't a good church kid like I was. He didn't come on Friday night all prayed up, saying, God, would you meet with me? He just came because a friend invited him. He saw Jesus barely; he could just see. I want what you're telling me, sir. He stood up, had someone pray for me. In a second, Calvin met Jesus in an overwhelming way that his body could not cope with it. And the next morning, my friend, I saw him on the way to breakfast, and Calvin was changed. He was radiant. He was not the same Calvin. That I knew the day before. And I knew that he had discovered Jesus in a way that was not just some distant theory or through your mom and dad or through Sunday school. He had met with Jesus. And he wasn't looking for it. However, I know on that same night, and I'm sure some of you can resonate with this, is that you see people around you having their prayers answered. You see them having God meet them, and you're sitting there going, God, I am praying, I am seeking, I am asking, and I'm not getting anything. <laughs> ah, the second story is for you this morning. Is that we have to be like the merchant. He had to seek until he found that pearl of great price. And so I don't want any of us this morning to feel discouraged. Because some of us might have experienced how intimate and real Jesus can be by accident. But there are others of us here this morning who are still longing. And I want to say, by being a Christian, you're always the merchant. Because Paul, on his road to Damascus, that Damascus experience wasn't enough for him. As he sought with all of his might, as much as he could get in this relationship with Jesus. And very briefly this morning, I just want to give us a couple of things of what we see in this merchant that we can apply to lay hold of this pearl of great price. Becoming a Christian is just the start. And this morning, I want to stir us up by looking at just three major points of what kind of person this merchant was that enabled him to find this pearl of great price. Okay, you ready? You ready? Okay. Let's see if I can smash this in 10 minutes. First of all, we see the type of person this merchant was. Merchants, in those days, they were specialists. And uh, in those days, most people were just, they had every day kind of... uh, labor skills they were not very educated but a pearl merchant was and a pearl merchant was specialized in one thing it was pearls and if you had he couldn't do much else but if you had to ask that pearl merchant about finding the pearl that you wanted to invest your money in he was the guy you went to and the first kind of people we need to be if we're going to go deeper into Jesus and encountering the living God knowing him personally is we have to be specialists and that means we have to equip ourselves like this merchant. He would have had an apprenticeship. He would have learned by handling and, and, and studying the trade routes. He would have had to grow in his specializing himself with the knowledge and opportunities that presented him in the ancient world to become a pearl merchant. And I want to ask you this morning. Do you see yourself as being a specialist in knowing God? Every time you open your Bible, every time you pray, every time you come to church, every time that you hear Christian conversation or you have opportunities to hear a sermon, in your heart, do you see it as an opportunity to somehow find more of God? Because if we're going to find this pearl of great price that Jesus speaks about, is we're going to need to be specialists. Secondly, is he refined his ambition down to one thing— can I maybe ask, can Mark, can I put you on the spot today? Can I ask you, if I'd ask you, what's the one thing you would love to achieve in your life? What is your one ambition? What would it be? Let's mark here. Yeah. He wants to plant churches in the Middle East. Kath, can I maybe ask you, can I put you, what's your one, what's your one ambition? That you, If you could say you'd want to achieve one thing. Want your parents to be saved? I won't ask you to worry, Steve. (laughs) He's going, no, no, no. Do you know that in order to achieve this pearl of great price, when somebody knocks on your door at night, it says, Common, what is the one thing if you could achieve in this life? Do you know what it needs to be? Is I want to know God more. May I just say, because I put them on the spot. More than planting churches, more than being a great parent, more than even salvation for our parents, which is absolutely spot on. The thing that we need to be driven by in this life, because we might not achieve those things, but there's one thing we can lay hold of, and one thing that we need to be driven by is having a deeper experience, knowledge, relationship with Jesus. He was on search for one thing, fine pearls. Thirdly, is he was looking for something authentic. This guy knew a fake pearl from a real one because he had handled, he had seen what a real pearl of value really was like. And so he knew when he had the real deal and when he didn't. And if I may be so as bold this morning to say, my concern for us as a congregation is, are we really after the authentic? My concern is many of us come here on a Sunday for our dab of religion, you know. We fulfill what we need to do for the week, and that kind of gets us by till the next Sunday. Or perhaps we read that WhatsApp scripture, or perhaps we read that one-page devotion, and we're satisfied when we hear the preacher Or friends possibly that don't come here or this when we hear stories of how close our relationship can be and we are happy just to leave it at that there's no hunger for an authentic encounter and experience of Jesus for ourselves I want to ask you this morning how satisfied are you with Jesus are you happy with where you are because I want to say unless You are after the authentic. You'll always be happy with secondhand information and just sheer religion. But I want to say you're going to miss your life's purpose if you're just going to be happy with being where you are. You see, a person like this merchant who's a specialist and who's ambitious for this one thing knows. The reason why he's searching is because he hasn't experienced yet that authentic Encounter with Jesus, an ever-deepening relationship that he's looking for. The other thing is how he sought out this pearl of great price is essential for us this morning. May I be so bold as to ask, have you ever prayed, God, show me who you are in your life? I've prayed that. I just want to put up your hand. Have you ever just prayed, God, would you show me who you are? I want to ask you this morning: Are you open to Him answering that prayer in any way He chooses? I had a friend in high school called Tandy, and Tandy was one of those people at a young age who discovered how precious a relationship with Jesus is. But you know something about Tandy? I asked her about her parents one day, and she says to me, she said to me, she was an orphan. She's an orphan. She lost her mom and dad in a car crash one of them died in a car crash, and the other one died of an illness. And I said to Tandi, that must have been heartbreaking. And Tandi said, you know what, Matthew? You know what I've come to realize in my life? Is I'm grateful God took them because the loss of my parents made me find Jesus in a way that I don't think I ever would have if I'd had them in my life. Tandi discovered how close, precious, secure her relationship with God could be because she lost that in not having parents. And some of us have gone through cancer. Some of you today might be in a season where you're going I just don't see the wood for the trees and I'm praying God would you show me who you are would you show me who you are but I want to say be open to how God meets that prayer because on the other side In the pain and the turmoil of what that suffering or unmet need might be, God is reeling you in and answering you in a way that you didn't expect. And so you're praying, God, show me more of who you are. Show me more of who you are. And he's reeling you in, but you're not seeing it because you're saying, I have to meet God like that person and that person and that person and that person. Oh, no, no. This guy was searching for fine pearls. But something surprised him. He found the pearl of great price. It far exceeded his expectation of what he was looking for. And when he found it, friends, changed his life. But he was just seeking generally for these fine pearls. I want to say to you this morning, how open are you for God to meet you? He likes to have a free hand. He likes to meet God. Kath, Brian, you in an individual, perfectly constructed way for you. The other thing that we see in how we seek God is that this guy, it wasn't theory. This is another area I want to just prod this morning as one of your elders, is I'm concerned that at the ridge, the risk is we theorize truth rather than hunger to experience it you see to be a pearl merchant you had to handle those pearls you had to touch them you had to look at their size at their color at their shape you had to learn the value of a pearl through holding it examining it and this morning if we're going to discover this pearl of great price this relationship with Jesus in a real personal way, is we have to draw close to God intimately. Do you know how I do that? Is I don't take Mark's ID book or driver's license and I, and I study this driver's license, say, in black and white. Oh, Mark, bit of a strange picture. Okay, that's how old he is. That's his date of birth. Let me just feel this ID book. Let me feel this driver's license, taste it. I know Mark. I come to Mark and say, Mark, how's it going? You good? Tell me about your life, man. Tell me where you're born. Tell me your passion. Tell me what you want to do one day. I know you want to plant churches in the Middle East. The only way I know Mark is if I draw close to him. And I want to challenge you this morning how close do you try to get to Jesus? Is he a ritual? Is he just a feeling or a thought? Or is he a person that you want to get to know better than anybody else? Because that's what he's talking about here. Thirdly, he was able to see what's really precious. He has another thing on my heart for us this morning, church. Many of us are running after stuff that's not going to last. Money relationships, security, and comfort. But the way he knew that that pearl was of tremendous value was because he could have insight into what truly was valuable. And fourthly, under this way that he sought after this pearl, was he didn't just sit and wait for it and say, hey, come on, I want to get it. Bring it to me. No, no, he got up, and he ran and looked and searched and sought it with all of his might. You know, pearl merchants in those days had to go to the most remote places to find pearls. Pearls came from China and the Red Sea. They had to dive for them in those days, and they had to go and seek out in difficult places at times the trade routes to get hold of what they were looking for. But there was an active obedience to do it. And I want to ask you this morning. I'm worried that we could say and do say, one of these days, one of these days, I'm going to get around to seeking God more. And the days are rolling by. And the moments are passing. And we just never get there. It was actively sought and my final point is this we've seen what kind of people we need to be how this person this merchant sought it but lastly he had to do something to lay hold of it when he found it and this is what I want you to know this morning is there's no good me telling you this is available and it's not going to cost you anything it's going to cost us Something to lay hold of what is this precious relationship with Jesus. Notice it says in both instances, doesn't matter how you found it, whether it was by surprise or whether you had to seek after it like this merchant. When you find it, both of them, they had to go sell all to get it. And what happens is if you want a relationship with Jesus that is living and real and has a a powerful impact upon your life, laying hold of this treasure that they are speaking about, this pearl of great price, is Jesus is going to put his finger on things in your life and mine that he wants us to let go of. And this selling of all is placing everything that was previously so dear to us as secondary. He doesn't like competition. And this morning, I want to ask you, what is competing for this pearl of great price in your life? I'll tell you mine, but I don't want to. <laughs> Maybe I'll just keep it between me and God. What is it? Is it time? Is it a relationship? You just know, I can't. You know you can't hold on to it. You know you can't have a both and. Is it a fear? Some of us here are fearful of what God might ask you to do. Don't you think for a moment that a father wants the best for his child? Don't you think for a moment that when you say, I want what you've got, that what he wants to give you is the best? maybe some of us here this morning feel that this relationship with God you could have had a chance in the past but you've blown it and you're going, you know, I'm pretty sure God's tired of me coming back again I'm 50, I'm 60, I'm 70 I've lived my life what do I have left? Friends What God is offering you is something that is available to you until your final breath. I don't care how sick you feel. I don't care for how long you've lived. You got breath in your body. And if you have Jesus, that door is open for you today to enter in. Do you know why because a son and daughter never ever ever stop being a son and daughter my daughter will never stop being my daughter I don't care what she does I don't care who she marries I don't care the decisions she makes she might be running away far from me but she's my daughter the decision is for her I can't force her to have a relationship with me if she doesn't want to. But that door is open till the day I die. And I'm seeking her. I'm coming after her as a father. Because you know what? You know what the pearl of great price to God is? God is not asking us to do anything that he hasn't done himself. Do you know what the pearl of great price for God is? It's you. It's you. Do you know what he gave up to get you? His most precious possession, Jesus. And when you say to God, I want you more than anything, and as best as I can, day by day, I sell all. Sure, we go through moments when we are going, I may be held on to, but today, today, I, today, I'm coming after Do You know what we give him? Is what he's after. It's us. We're his pearl of great price. And we give him what he gave Jesus for. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that wonderful?